Welcome to What the If. What a show, what a show, what a show, what a show we have today. Super special guest, super special returning guest. We'll bring in, we'll bring him in in a second. Uh, first, we have co-pilot Matthew Stanley from New York University, Professor Matt, historian of science. In fact, historian, very interesting. So your your profession has a tie-in to the subject of the show that we will be uh, doing Yes, today. we'll be made completely obsolete by technological expertise. Oh, no, I, th I think, uh, well, yeah, okay. We'll see about that. My mind is already reeling. Real quick, we have incoming in the mailbag. That's our mailbag music. This is, here's one that we're going to address uh, on Monday on our coronavirus WTIF news show we do every Monday. So just just a little promo for that. Tune in for that. Gabby Panicia from Rockefeller University helps us uh, understand the news uh, behind the news, uh, the science behind the news of the coronavirus. And um, Bill, longtime super duper ifer, one of our greatest supporters, Bill from Winchester, Virginia, wrote in and said, Philip and Matt, I have a what the if for Gabby Panicia. Gabby's the one that leads us through that show. What the if little kids growing up in the COVID-19 era have impaired immune systems, not from the virus, but from the ultra disinfected environment their parents are providing for them. With all the hand washing, disinfecting, mask wearing, isolating, online schooling, other people avoiding, are kids now in an environment that will impair their acquisition of healthy microbiota? I like that. The world is too clean. Mm -hmm. Matt, uh, is your house overly sanitized do you worry about the kids uh, it is not i would not say that uh, okay. <laughs> now we did a controversial well we knew it we dove in we did a controversial uh, episode uh one or two times back about reincarnation what the if reincarnation were real and that was begun by me um kind of getting riled up by an article in the new york times that took reincarnation a little too seriously i thought and uh we got a letter from uh, you know, a tweet, a direct message, a DM from uh, Ian Wardell at Interesting Ian in England. And uh, Ian says, uh, is it you that made that bizarre comment on that New York Times article? It is Ian. Ian goes on, what the heck does is a foul mean? I said that the article was a foul, foul, F-O-U-L. Yeah. And he says, now he's English. I wish people would learn to communicate in clear English. Can't help you there. You know what, Ian? I wish people would learn to communicate in clear American. Oh, that. Oh, fight. Yeah. What? <laughs> Shots fired. Shots fired, Tom says. Uh, what does occult mean? Memories of a previous previous lives are occult? Yes. Why would memories of previous lives be occult, but not memories of this life? And he goes on. Uh, I'm going to put that on the website so everybody can see Ian's full, full reply. 
basically he ends up by saying reincarnation is obviously the most straightforward hypothesis. What exactly is your beef? Hmm. What if when you ate beef, you saw the memories of the of the cow cattle? And uh, finally, the last one here, a very quick note, uh, a, a little missive, should we say, a cable from my mother. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> Mom often gets a shout out. And uh, in that reincarnation episode, I revealed that uh, um, my mother believes in past lives and uh, believes that she may have been Joan of Arc, I thought. Correction, Mom says it wasn't Joan of Arc. She believes she was a young knight who was left alone and was going to be killed. Anyway, oh. really enjoyed the reincarnation podcast. Uh, thanks for mentioning me. It keeps me famous. There we go. Very nice. I'm very excited to bring back to the What the If Worldwide Virtual Studios, coming from our West Coast division, Tom Merritt. How are you, Tom? I'm uh, I'm doing quite well, thank you. Uh, thanks for having me back, y'all. So excited to have you back. Um, Tom is a uh, you could say these these he has many many hats. Uh, he's wearing about three right now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they look and, lovely. Uh, they do. They do. He's stacked. He's <laughs> stacked. <Okay. laughs> uh, you know, there are some people I've seen down in my parents' retirement community. They say in Hollywood you, know, you shouldn't put a hat on a hat, but I say. Forget that. Keep the hats coming. They also say nobody knows nothing. <laughs> what was that, Matt? Keep the hats coming. Keep the hats coming. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Uh, Tom is a uh, science fiction author. There is also a Tom Merritt who is a world famous um, and beloved podcaster. And uh, they are the same person. <gasps> Or are they? Have you ever seen? Oh, I'm sorry, say again, Matt. Is this a, a you never see Superman and Clark Kent in the same room kind of thing? <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, uh, Daily Tech News Show is one of about 75 podcasts. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, <laughs> way too many. <laughs> Um, but also of of interest, um, because you, uh, we we do have Tom here in his science fiction mm. author role, and. Um, so uh sword and laser sword and laser podcast uh, yeah maybe of interest it's a science fiction and fantasy book club if you're into that oh, cool oh right that too yes and um so we're, we're, today was inspired by one of your most recent books trigor mm -hmm. uh the sequel to pilot x and both of these i must say if anyone is a fan of douglas adams or maybe I don't know Doctor Who very well, but perhaps mm -hmm. Doctor Who ish. But but I do know Douglas Adams. If you love Douglas Adams, you will love Tom Merritt's books and uh, and much much more. All right, that's it's, a high uh, recommendation. Yeah, I hope I live up to that. Uh, Douglas oh, Adams, formative. Like I I still remember buying my first copy of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. I read it, I literally read it to, at summer camp, I don't know, I must have been like 10 or 11 years old, and I read it to the rest of the kids in the cabin. Oh, really? That's everyone awesome. was riveted, you know, the little, I still see the paperback. Yeah, I was probably um, around 11 or 12 myself, actually, yeah. Yeah. And prior to that, by the way, the radio show, because mm -hmm. I actually got to hear that. It's amazing. No, but seriously, this is no no joke. 
no no puffery here. It is you, um, your writing is hilarious. Uh, the characters are real and endearing, and um, the sci-fi is so smart. And uh, the the how would you describe the basically time travel is is a little hook here. It's kind of the big the big what if perhaps in in these stories. Um, how would you describe it? Yeah, uh, the the premise. Uh, certainly in Pilot X, and I, and I carry it through in Trigger, is that you have people who can travel in time in this universe, uh, but you can't change things. Uh, I, I go with the principle of, the, of the, there, there may be alternate realities, but they'd be really hard to get to. Uh, and so if you go back in time and do something, that already happened from any future perspective. It's not like you go back and you privilege your own timeline. So if I if I go back in time uh, and, and burn down a house, uh, that house will have always been burned down even before I went back in time and burned it down. We don't burn down uh, houses, but yeah. I, I wanted something permanent. <laughs> right. And, uh, and you can also go into the future. Is that yeah. right? You can go into yeah. the future, check things, come back. That's um, the that's the big premise. Is there really is no pr privileged space in time? Uh, okay. There, there's yeah. there's just time, and you have you're in it somewhere, and you can move around in it. And and what helped me wrap my head around that was like, well, isn't that then? Doesn't everybody know everything? And I thought about the fact that even now, even with airplanes and helicopters and spaceships and satellite imagery, we still don't know where every single thing on Earth is. And if oh. you imagine the universe mm -hmm. being vast and time being in, essentially infinite, even, traveling in time is just like traveling in large amounts of space. Just because you can go there doesn't mean everybody has. Has, yeah. So is this a deterministic universe then, where since you don't have any choice in whether to burn down the house? Yeah, it is. Okay. Uh, but I, I, and that, that was a problem that was solved by a friend of mine who's a professor of psychology who was explaining to me uh, the somewhat accepted premise that we probably don't have free will, but we feel like we do. And I'm like, oh, well, whether that's true or not in psychology or not, I'll take that concept and be like, yes, it's deterministic, but it doesn't feel like that to anybody living in the universe. Okay. <laughs> All right. So here's our what the if. Inspired by the works of Tom Merritt. What the if? Time travel were a breeze, common, commonplace. Let's say as uh, as easy as getting in your car, mm. because do or do, am I remembering correctly, Tom? It feels like the only way to travel in time is to be in a, a, a craft, a ship. Yeah, yeah. You have kind. to you have to have a, a time ship, and someone who is trained in flying it. Right, right. And so let's say if, if it's as common as driving a car, or riding mass transit. Because mm -hmm. you know, for those um, of us in, in urban environments, if we need to get around in time, I mean. The idea of a subway train that travels through time is I mean, just the regular subway train is horrifying enough. The idea that it might <laughs> 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 
Um, so wear your mask. Everybody put on your masks and uh, safety goggles as always with our what the if experiments. Um, how does your day begin, Tom? So you wake up. Now you actually you you work from home, mm-hmm. like we do largely. Um, <laughs> I did. But, I did so before it was commonplace. That's right. That's right. <laughs> oh, by the way, that gives me. I'll give you a quick uh, shout out to another of your podcasts that I love. Work insanity. Mm. All about for those who work at home and want great tips from those you and uh, Patrick Beja, who are long time, uh, very productive home home workers. Uh, so you, 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 but it's, you're going to go out and you're going to get in the car and let's, so there'd be a reason why you need to go travel in time. Uh, what might that be? You, you're, you're making a cake. Do you cook? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's actually right where my head went. Uh, is is I, is is I, I run to the store, uh, And they, uh, the, the run on, on, uh, meat products has happened and I, and I can't get the, uh, the ground beef for, for the lasagna we're making. Uh, so I just pop back in time until it's in stock. <laughs> oh, all right. So this is interesting. So you don't go back to, so my first thought was, um, you would go back to, I don't know, tell yourself to pick up something different at the store, mm-hmm. but you're saying we, you would then go back like a year to when there was a completely different stuff set of stuff on the shelves right. at the store and buy it then and then bring that meat back to the present. This is going to be really horrible for coronavirus containment. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I've, I, the way before coronavirus, you would see people sometimes wearing masks and it might have been. Maybe they were ah, time travel popping back. Yeah. 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 Although I so, guess uh, we could all go forward and get the vaccine. So maybe it wipes well, it up right. fast. That would be handy. Yeah. Oh, right. Uh, but the quarantine would be kind of bizarre. Like you have to wait 14 days. You could just see all right. This is what this, yeah. what's so brilliant about this right. concept is it's just boom, instant, instant trouble. So um, you go back and get the, so now that it's in stock, Okay, so you drive, and um, there's no spots in the lot. The, the parking lot is full at the oh, Gelson's. Man. Yeah, right. And uh, a Los Angeles grocery store. I remember fondly from my days there. Uh, so you need to go a little bit forward or a little bit backward. Like people driving around the parking lot looking for a spot, you're driving around time. Right. I can already see the, uh, the, the, the startup pitch for an app. That will tell you where in time a space is open and beef yeah. is in stock. That's a brilliant idea. Actually, parking in Los Angeles is a major. Yeah, it's no joke. Major, yeah, it's yeah. no San Francisco, but it's not easy. Right. <laughs> so, um, so is there a problem that there will be a bunch of other time travelers mm-hmm. also trying to pick up ground sirloin? At the right. same time, because everybody everybody has that app, and they all know that that's the last day ground sirloin is in stock. So I've got you know 150 years worth of time travelers all coming back to that same day. Well, I, I was I was starting to think along those lines, Matt, and and I realized that the supply chain managers will also know this ah. and will know when you're coming to pick up the beef. 
and make sure <laughs> there's enough. Like you ship, you ship your products not only to locations, but locations in time right. because you know what the demand's going to be. So this is now there is a metaphor you use in in the book, and it's not a spoiler, anyway, uh, of like knots in time, K N O T S, right? Or thread. How did you, there must have when you were working on this? So you can see how so quickly you come up with like a crazy um, tangle of things like that. How would how do you deal with that? situation so now like if every here's there's a great moment in the book where several of them actually where uh there are two two uh creatures two two different species but they can both travel in time and they're basically fighting with each other mm -hmm. and there, it's this great duel uh it's a really wonderful sequence uh how did you manage or did at a certain point you just said you know what i just gotta yeah, I, I mean, this off. there's a little bit of hand waving with the knots. Uh, it yeah. it it's stolen from Doctor Who, which used there are fixed points in time. So there there were there were plot points oh. in Doctor Who where they're like, well, we don't want him to be able to change anything here because in Doctor Who you 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 can change things in the past. So we'll we'll make it a fixed point in time, and he can't change it. Uh, and I I thought I, okay, let me build on that. Uh, and it's it's a, a bit vague, but my idea is. There are situations just just like when too many people visit a place, right? Like a mm -hmm. touristy spot, uh, you can't move around freely. There are there are points in time where so many things are happening, so many people are visiting, and so many actions are happening that it just kind of stops it from from certain things from happening because because the underlying principle is you know cause and effect are are still in. in in operation. And so if you go back and you tried to change something that never changed, events are just going to happen to prevent you from doing that. It'll feel inexplicable to you, but it's just huh. the way things happened. Uh, and so the knots are like, you get a lot of those happening at once that really just prevent much from being changed. Okay. So kind of temporal traffic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like that. Oh, well then that's, there's an idea that there would be, uh, time traffic control uh-huh like you have to check like air traffic control right but there's time traffic and well, that would just be that's a little bit what perhaps the the, the alenda the main species, the alendans yeah like, yeah they're they're the Alendan. consider themselves the the folks in charge of time travel not sure every other species agrees but and and one quick sp specific when so i'm with some i'm i'm with you tom you and i are uh trying to get the same parking spot at the gelson's and you go back in time and get the spot mm -hmm. what do i see do i just see you getting the spot as if that was always did my past change well so you so, would only see the spot open when it's open it would just be like like normal because you're only you're only at the spot when you're in that point in time right you're not seeing it from outside time mm -hmm. okay ah oh, right 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 yeah so that uh, i mean so that raises the question for right so for spectators who are watching this happen does anything look weird to them 
Do um, they see people blipping in and out? Yeah, yeah. Hard? Like like arrivals would be a little instantaneous, right? When something appears from another point in time. Ah, uh, okay. But other than that, no. Interesting. All right. So people would pop. So they'd see somebody pop into existence, take the parking spot. Yeah. And be on their way. Okay. Right. And the most effective way to do that would be to appear in the parking spot. Which also... Mm. So, so two things happening. One would be like just... Uh, like you say, a traffic control situation where people realize like, oh, it's it's rude to appear in a parking spot. You know, that's let's 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 not do that. Uh, there are rules against that. But also there would be cause and effect that would stop two two people from taking the same parking spot. Uh, both people maybe push their button on the time ship at the same time and one of them misses or the button doesn't, you know, doesn't work. And again, to you, it appears inexplicable and random, but it's time sorting itself out to be like, well, we never did have those two cars crash, so they don't. Boy. The handicapped spots would be hilarious. It's like, <laughs> this is reserved for people who are handicapped or who may become handicapped. Yes. Or, in or, the future. or who are incapable of traveling through time because of a heart condition. Right. Yeah. That's, <laughs> That's exciting. And there is, there are some people in, in, in your universe, uh, in the pilot X universe who decide, you know, a little bit like the Amish or something that we're, yeah. we're not going to travel in time. Yeah. We're going to live it. They're, they're, they're very much an Amish type society that feel like it's important for someone to have a linear perspective on time because everybody who travels around all, it doesn't really see the universe chronologically the way they do. They're, they're somewhat of a fundamentalist. It's interesting. It's interesting too. Also, you know, people who stay off social media probably experience time a little bit more. They experience time. Yeah. They don't look up and (laughs) suddenly four in the morning. They realize they should have stopped doom scrolling a long time ago. So Matt, what, what science, am I correct in thinking that, and, and, and I'm curious, Tom, if you looked up uh, the science, either something out of quantum mechanics or whatever, is it? Cor- it's correct, Matt, that time travel is totally allowed in physics. Um, well, so it depends, I guess. Uh, one of the things we need to uh, establish are like whether or not things like causality apply, um, or whether or not two things can occupy the same space. I mean, one of the traditional objections is that time travel of the sort we've got going on here causes problems for conservation of energy. Um, that is the total amount. We, we operate on the, the general law that the total amount of mass energy in the universe at any given moment um, is fixed for the universe as a whole. Um, so the problem is that if I go back in time and I get a pound of ground sirloin and I bring it back to my original time, I have now increased the total amount of mass energy in my present time by one pound. Um, and that might not seem like a lot of a, like a big problem. Um, but if conservation of energy is true, then I have just violated it, um, in a particularly delicious kind of way. Um, and my chili is insufficient justification for the violation of that natural law. Um, so Tom, I don't so know. Take, you- taking it out of the past though, doesn't balance it out. Well, that's the question is you, you could come up with some kind of four dimensional equivalent um, in which the uh, in which that balances out. But I don't know. Tom, have you figured out a, a resolution to the chili problem? 
I, I, I had thought about that. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and, and I took, uh, I took my, my inspiration for some of this from, uh, quantum electrodynamics. Oh, nice. Um, so, oh, nice. uh, so the idea uh, I'm trying trying to find this page, but I'm not going to find it, am I? Um, right. The, the idea of, by, uh, of Richard the, Feynman. Yeah, yeah, the Feynman diagrams, where you can balance an equation by having the electron go back in time, right? Yeah, that's a very mm -hmm. simplified explanation. And so I sort of just, without going through the details and showing my work, go that happens at a large scale with time travel, right? Okay. When I take the B forward. It's because the beef needed to go forward to actually balance conservation of mass and energy and, and, and all those other things. And again, I, I think it's my free will that I grabbed the beef and took it forward. But in, in fact, on a large scale, this is the universe keeping itself uh, in balance, more or less. Yeah. So actually, so in that sense, um, Philip, your suggestion is correct. Um, but it's actually that the universe knows that there's going to be a surplus of ground sirloin um, in our present. So it arranges my life such that I am craving chili at that particular <laughs> moment. Um, and this is all mediated by this quiet kind of quantum fuzziness where kind of everything interacts with everything else um, in such a way to balance it out. So from an observer, somebody who is rigorously testing the conservation of energy at any time, they can't see any violations because the universe has worked all this out. I was about to say in advance, but that's a perilous word when you're dealing right, with right. it. Yeah. Right. It's more like the ocean kind of coming to equilibrium. Oh, that's yeah. a nice, that's a nice yeah, analogy. Yeah. 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 Did, um, how did puzzling all these things out, Tom, I'm curious, affect the way you see time now? It, it was almost the opposite. I, I had uh -huh. been thinking about this stuff and reading about it for a long time and watching Doctor Who and getting very frustrated that they're like, well, yeah, you can change time sometimes and sometimes you can't. And I was like, challenged myself, like, what if I held to my principles where I think this is this is my guess of how time travel would work if it worked at all? Uh, and can I tell a compelling story? within those rules. And it was, it was more that direction of, of creating. Interesting. I think that that's one, one of the things I guess, actually, that uh, one of the reasons I think I love the books so much is that you're doing kind of the, what the, if idea that you're taking, you know, and, and this is what good, I call good, uh, what they call hard science fiction or, or, you know, that kind of science fiction where you, you try to set up a lip, we try to stick to some kind of limitation. Um, to point, for instance, uh, I'm sure most of our listeners know, but for instance, Star Wars, which a lot of people call Star Wars science fiction, um, and another excellent podcast you have, uh, let's talk about Star Wars, right? Yep. Um, Star Wars is a fantasy, right? So they don't really, yeah, things, they don't get too caught up in rules that often. Um, but more in the tradition, actually, of Alistair Reynolds, who I talk about all the time, we've, we've had him on the show. Um, uh, who takes something and tries to deal with it. Also, Alistair Reynolds is doing a lot of time travel work yeah. uh, recently. Um, Matt, you have a book called uh, Huxley's... Huxley's something? Church and Maxwell's Demon. Yeah. Maxwell's Demon. Mm -hmm. And Maxwell's Demon factors in here somehow, doesn't it? 
Um, causality or vaguely. <laughs> so okay. actually, so no. So actually, yeah. this is important. One of the yeah. other um, objections that gets raised to time travel um, is the second law of thermodynamics, which is supposed to be that make the case that entropy um, increases steadily throughout the universe. And that's actually kind of how you can define the progress of time is the increase of entropy generally. And Maxwell's demon is a thought experiment that tries to get around that um, in, in various ways that we don't need to, to get into right now. Um, but uh, I guess I would also wonder what the state of entropy was, um, uh, so to speak, uh, in a casual time travel universe. So if I go back in time and I burn down a house, I've now increased the local entropy in the past in a way that was not expected. Um, so I don't know if that causes problems um, for your time traveling critters as well, Tom. I, I didn't address it directly, but but uh, but I, I think it's it can be sort of grandfathered into that general uh, vastness of time, right? Uh, people can travel around in time. They can go back to ancient times. They can go forward. Uh, but entropy is going to be consistent over that timeline with them moving around inside it. And you really can't go so far forward in time that you would you would be in a high entropy universe. Perhaps there's a, there's like a there's like a rain. There's almost like the uh, um, the Goldilocks zone of time travel. Uh, uh, you know. <laughs> Yeah, so that's an interesting kind of, uh, actually, as, as an author, I can see how that would be helpful. Um, yeah. If you don't want your protagonists traveling to particular spots in time, you're like, well, that's just a spot where the local entropy um, is too low or is out of whack with, with mm -hmm. where you came from. Um, and that might be an interesting way to, to hand wave um, certain plot points. Yeah, it's a you zoom out to a, a far enough scale and entropy looks fine. If you're if you're 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 zoomed in, there might be some some local fluctuations. I think that could work. Mm -hmm. I can leave that. I, I tell you, you you definitely have inspired me to explain something I want to put in the third book yeah. in this trilogy uh, by by refocusing my attention on uh, on the the uh, the conservation of energy. Uh, I, I think that's, that solves, uh, a, uh, it explains a thing that I want to put in the third book of why it would have happened, why it would have almost had to have happened. Interesting. Oh, great. Ooh, I love it when the creative process happens yeah. in front of yeah, you. Yeah. <laughs> you better write it down real quick. <laughs> or you, I don't want you to lose that. Yeah, I'll, well, I'll either write it down or, or I'll, I'll let it uh, try to survive. And if it, and if it survives uh, into good. me remembering mm -hmm. it, then that means it was a good idea. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, I'm. I don't think you worked with this at all. Time. Uh, one recent uh, Alistair Reynolds book I read, um, Permafrost, um, which I think is like a one-off. Maybe it's almost a novella. I think, um, but where he, uh, Alistair Reynolds is dealing with time travel and he tries to get into the headspace of those, of where the time, the time change, the changes in time, somebody went back, whatever, somebody's changed the past, uh, happens kind of slowly. And he describes it almost as kind of like you're aware that you're aware of something and you slowly forget it. And then it's as mm. if it never, it never happened. Um, uh, 
my last, the, the image that kept coming up in my mind is the idea of, because I work in film, so the idea that this ability to jump back and forth in time is as if the movie is written. Um, a movie is, has been made, right? And you can jump backwards and forwards. Uh, but yet there are, is, is it that essentially actually there is not one movie you go back and you change something. Now it's a whole different movie, like Clue, which had three different endings with uh, Tim Curry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no this this is this is uh, this is more like Memento, right? You're you're you may be experiencing it out of order, uh, right. but there there was right. an underlying narrative uh, that mm -hmm. unified it. Yeah, and if you were confused by it, it was just because you didn't know Christopher Nolan. Uh, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um. Matt, what do you, here's a really, I'm going to go, talk, and Tom mentioned going back far enough, taking a wide enough perspective. Mm -hmm. Where does all this happen? So in other words, these things, are, so people are jockeying for parking spots mm -hmm. and they're bouncing in and out of time to try to get the spot. Right. Uh, it's like a game of Tetris through time. Uh, yeah, so this, um, this shades into the, the question that, people sometimes try to confront when they're first learning about cosmology is they say, well, what's outside the universe? And we say, well, there is no outside the universe because when we say universe, we mean all the stuff that's there. Um, so when we say something like, where is it happening that the time travelers are, are maneuvering for their parking spaces? Um, we're making this totally understandable conceptual error where we want there to be some outside reference point from which we're watching these things happen. Um, and the answer is there is not such a thing. So the, the where is the four dimensional block universe that exists already and people are maneuvering around. And so the realize the, the reason we have trouble visualizing where this is happening is that it's happening in four dimensions um, and our brains are not good at that. Um, so we can come up with metaphors um, and try to explain it that way. But really what it comes down to is we need to, you need to have a good feeling for the mathematics because the math can handle four dimensions fine. Um, but our normal brains can't. Right. Well, I guess it's, it's the idea of location, right? If you think of a location in, this was one of Einstein's mm -hmm. insights, right? If you think of a location as a place in time, as well as space, you could say that, well, the situation where I got the, spot before Tom, the parking spot before Tom, is it one location in space-time? And right. yeah, it's a, the location where Tom gets it is in a different location. It's well, just a different it's, location. It's, it's, um, our, that's, the, that's the limitations of our three-dimensional brains trying to understand what a location in four dimensions looks like. Um, right. And we're just not well equipped for that. So if you, the, the usual metaphor here is you know, you're a tiny little ant living on a piece of paper. Um, and then uh, three-dimensional beings, humans, come along and stick their finger down on the piece of paper. Um, and you see it because it's now intersected with the piece of paper. And you say, ah, there's a giant thing there. And then the human picks up their finger and uh, you see the thing disappear. And the human puts their finger down in a different place on the piece of paper. And you, the two-dimensional ant, says, how did it get from that place to the other place without traversing the distance in between. Um, but that's an error that you make because you're not aware of the third dimension. So to the, 
to the human, that's a totally reasonable thing to do. To the, but then the ant tries to visualize it and say, where was that thing in between? That's the problem we have when trying to imagine um, what time travel is like, is we, we are actually not equipped for that problem. And it takes really careful thinkers like Tom to kind of think through what it would look like um, for those for those ants, as it were. Um, and I would imagine that that gives great range to um, storytelling possibilities. Right? Yeah, Flatland been very, very helpful in trying to mm-hmm. conceptualize uh, all this stuff for me. And and the and and I actually did think of uh, a stack of printer paper uh, when I was trying to figure out the travel. Mm. You'll notice, uh, Philip, that the the time ship never moves in space and time at the same time. Oh, that's interesting. Ah. So it's uh-huh. easy to travel through time, uh, you know, even what would seem like uh, hundreds of years because time is infinite. Uh, and so so moving through time is like the thin sheets of paper. You just go up, you know, five sheets, not very far. But moving through space is still far you, you, and it still takes energy. So there's even situations where uh, you have to account for both. And if you don't, you move through time, but everything else moved, right? Since since you moved, yeah. and you're not in the same quote unquote same place. Yes, yes, and and you have um, Pilot X has a very charming uh, AI companion, AI who runs his time ship, and uh, she she uh, who has the ironic name or the the poignant name Verit Verite Verity Verity Yeah, yeah, yeah. Verity. Named after uh, Verity Lambert, uh, the original producer of Doctor Who. Oh, nice. Oh, see, so in documentary, of course, we have cinema verite, and I was like, oh, it's it worked. It, wor- it was truth. a nice happy accident that it worked on that level too. Yeah, <laughs> it's very cool. Um, did you graph these out? Did did you did you draw anything? No, no. <laughs> I probably should have. <laughs> Because I'm well, sure there's a couple. You can of... keep it straight in your head. That's great. Yeah. Like, I would have to have lots of drawings to to make sense of this. Uh, yeah, what that's a testament though to your writing though, because I really I have an image. It's a little abstract, whatever. But the way you describe it with threads and knots and mm-hmm. and different things like that, um, really great, really great. So, um, thank you for. Uh, um, uh, I'll let you have the spot. So go get your meat, your beef. Uh, that's awfully you know? nice of you. I mean, you kind of had to because you always did, but I still appreciate it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's yes. The wit, the razor wit, is, is very helpful when you're traveling in time. I yeah. think you need to have a sense of humor about the whole For thing. Sure. Um, uh, what's happening? Uh, a science fiction author, Tom Merritt. What's on the on the horizon right now? Uh, right and how now, how can people go uh, join you and support your work? Sure, sure. Uh, right now, I'm uh, doing National Novel Writing Month, uh, so I'm I'm working oh. on a story. I'm uh, forty one thousand words in, uh, so it looks like I'm going to wow. hit the hit the fifty thousand. And uh, I've got a writing Patreon uh, that I have uh, very foolishly given the Google Doc link uh, to my patrons to to peep in and see all my typos while I while I work on it. Uh, and so you can find that at uh, patreon.com slash ace detect, which is my horrible username. Uh, it's A-C-E-D-T-E-C-T. 
Right on. Yeah. And by the way, I love that. And and you can also become a, a Patreon of your other podcasts if you like technology, if you're interested in tech news. Daily Tech News Show uh, is every day um, a comprehensive look with Tom and, and his colleagues. Well, as one person on iTunes yeah. uh, who gave me one star pointed it out, not on Sunday and Saturday. So not really. Oh. <laughs> well, you know, it's, we got an iTunes review once that was literally like 75 hamburger emojis. And one star. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. You know, I feel like that's an expression of positivity, but yeah. (laughs) Right. I say so. Basically, I suggest everyone rate us. By the way, yeah, there's a good moment to say rate us and review us, would you please, on uh, iTunes or whatever you're using now. I don't even know if iTunes officially exists. It has a different name. It's the podcast app now. Yeah, yeah, you're right. That's right. That's right. Wherever you are, whatever platform you're on, leave us as many uh, hamburgers as you can. That would also be fitting of our time travel. Um, right. quandary today so um and oh yeah what i was gonna say is by by backing tom on and his various projects on patreon for each of them one of the things i i love doing it one i love uh, i'm happy to keep these things in the world because i love them uh they enrich my life but i also in if you're like a lot of people i think in our audience i like to know how things work and that mm-hmm. behind the scenes kind of thing or being especially if you're also somebody who is in some kind of creative process or whatever. It's really helpful to see to see how Tom works. So uh, I suggest you do that in every way possible. Um, Matt has a wonderful book, Einstein's War, which would make a fabulous holiday gift um, in lieu of your own presence with your family. <laughs> you know, why not send a sterile, you know? Yeah, and, it, and it's kind of a book about being stuck in isolation for a few years too so that may that's uh, true that's true and you can send it with a note it says einstein was stuck in isolation uh and look what he did so (laughs) so guess what (laughs) what's your what have you done (laughs) exactly exactly uh matt anything you would like to plug i think you you said you had a uh, a lecture online via one day university um this coming monday uh november 30th so you can go to one day you uh if you'd like to sign up all right one day you that sounds like the beginning of a that's a writer's prompt (laughs) one day you (laughs) one day you Uh, (laughs) (laughs) tom anything in particular you'd like to plug um, if, if you're interested in the books, uh, they're, they're all listed at tommeritbooks.com. Very easy, easy to, much easier than patreon.com slash ace the tech, uh, tommeritbooks.com. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, and Tom, will you join us? If you may recall, we have a ritual right, right. here where we, we imagine all the, as all I can imagine is as you're working on these books. Having this experience of uh, that, I used this a little bit of this is derived from when I remember being up all night or maybe three or four nights in a row because I waited all semester to write my term paper. And uh, at one point, as I was writing on my Atari 800 word processing mm. program in DOS or whatever <laughs> it was, um, seeing all the words on the screen for my term paper and suddenly realizing that every one of those words could be a different word. <gasps> so all the infinite possibilities. <laughs> Um, and this is simply on coffee and lack of sleep. So, you know, um, but it makes us react. And, and Matt, how do you describe the reaction when you imagine all the possible ifs that we might uh, encounter in we, the future? Yeah. As we try to say, 
all of the ifs. Um, it stretches out the name of the show, and we get some temporal distortion. No. Good, very good, and and with some with some reverb mm -hmm. added in post in the future that sounds like it was done at the same time. Yeah. Ooh. Tom, if you would join us in this ritual, and everyone who who is listening, take a deep breath, imagine the ifs, and ask yourself what, what? the. the...